Good morning and welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here today. It's a beautiful day outside and we're glad that you've chosen to worship here at Boiling Springs. Uh, if you are a guest with us, we invite you to fill out some information about yourself and your family on the little tear-off that's there in your bulletin and tear it, fill that out and uh, place that in the offering plate as it comes by a little later in the service. This weekend is family weekend at Garden Web, and so if we have some families here uh, visiting their son or daughter uh, at Garden Web, we welcome you to our service this morning. We do have a special time tonight at 5 o'clock with Dr. Steve Harmon, and so please be mindful of that. This is just a one-time session. This is not a spiritual growth session. That starts next week, and so uh, we encourage each of you to be here today with Dr. Steve Harmon at 5 o'clock in our Lighthouse Room. There are other announcements that are in your bulletin, and we encourage you to be mindful of those uh, throughout the coming week. But again, that we're glad that you're here today. Will you join me for a moment of prayer? God, we're grateful for your presence with us this morning. Help us to center our hearts and our minds on you and the things that you would have us to learn from you this morning. Bless those that are coming in here this morning that may be distracted, that are pulled in different ways from family or work demands or um, problems that are left unsolved. Lord, help us to, to lay those at your feet this morning. And Father, speak to us at the point of our need today. God, it's our desire to worship you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, Pastor Keith's going to be talking and preaching about uh, praying for the leaders of our country, our world. I'm not sure exactly the content, but I know it's for the leaders of our country. And this hymn we're fixing to sing, please pay attention to the words. It's extremely appropriate for praying and guiding us uh, to lean on God to help our leaders. Please stand and sing number 631. i 
Good morning. How are y'all today? Are y'all good? Today, our scripture, whoa, we got some more coming. Come on, James. Our scripture today is coming from Timothy, and I want to read to you the first verse. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First, I want you to pray for all people. Ask God to help and bless them and give thanks for them. Well, I have some pictures here. And there are people that sometimes lead us. We've got our Sunday school teachers. We've got school teachers. This week, we heard a lot about policemen. You can see up on the board, we have lots of leaders, our firemen, our policemen, and our president. And we've been talking about prayer, talking to God. So I want you to watch. Ms. Ellen's going to try a little bit of experiment. Y'all want to turn around so you can see? We're going to get some green water here. And that's sort of like us. Then we're going to say that when we pray by ourselves, we're talking to God, aren't we? Just one-on-one. -on -one. But when we look at all these people, all the people in the church and all the people here and in town and children, that's a group. And then God is, we're going to God. We're talking to God. And what happens when we pray as a group? It fizzes. It makes lots of noise. And we have foam. And you know what that is? That's God. He is getting so excited because we're now not just one person praying, but we're a lot of people praying. We're praying for our leaders. We're praying for our teachers. We're praying for people who protect us and work with us every day. And he can hear that. That's his excitement that we are here, that we're in church, and we love God. Can we pray together as a group now? Dear Jesus, we have lots of people to pray for. We have lots of groups who pray together. Today, we pray together as a church, from the little children to the senior adults. We lift our leaders to you for their safety, for their protection, for them to feel your love and your warmth take over. I also ask, Lord, that you protect these children. You fill them with your love and your protection. And it is through your Son, Jesus, that we say amen. The big kids can come with me to Children's Church. For our missions moment today, we want to be reminded that our goal for the North Carolina missions offering this year is $2,600.
I couldn't remember for sure, but then we in the committee asked that we raise it $100 for this year because we went over last year, and so our goal is $2,600. A big part of this offering goes to disaster relief. About 20 years ago, a tornado struck Boiling Springs on a Sunday afternoon. It completely destroyed a house right down the street from us, knocked out the power for the whole town, and then it came right down Oak Street toward Dr. Jean's and my house, and it split. And some of it got our house, and some of it got Dr. Jean's uh, house and yard. Catherine and Klein Hamrick were our across-the-street neighbors. She told me afterward, I've promoted that offering for years, but it takes on a whole new meaning when you have to go over to Garden Web where Baptist men have set up a generator and a feeding station and ask if they can give you something to eat. <laughs> we really did appreciate the work of Baptist men and disaster relief. That week, teams of men came from all over the state to help us in Boiling Springs. One afternoon, three teams of two were working in our yard at the same time. And I thought, that's the sound of love. Another part of the offering, the health screening buses, has a special place in my wife Ray's heart she was teaching school in Lattimore when a bus came. She had a little boy whose teeth were so bad he often couldn't pay attention because his teeth hurt. And that bus came with a dentist on board and helped him, and he could pay attention after he had some dental care. We've had people in our church who have volunteered to work with that bus. And others have worked to volunteer for disaster relief. And I ask your help in funding this offering so that our state convention can continue to pay for these wonderful ministries. Oh, we're volunteers who go to work. But somebody has to pay for the bus and pay for gas and to organize it and to help it all to happen. Thank you very much. We're going to show a quick film about that medical mission bus as I sit down. There are people in our communities and homeless shelters that have no idea that they're suffering from diabetes, that they don't know that they have high cholesterol, they don't know they're at risk for heart disease. And so this really gives us a chance to check them out physically and to tell them, you know, these are the issues that we foresee you have and if you don't get help. Did you ever think that checking someone's temperature or blood pressure could prepare the way? Did you ever think that caring for someone physically could prepare the way for Jesus to transform them spiritually? The health screening ministry is designed to provide care, um, basic health screenings such as A1C screening for diabetes, testing, cholesterol screenings, uh, vital signs assessment, BMI assessment, depression screenings, just basic overall basic screenings for people who don't have insurance that are underserved, underprivileged. Community outreach is a huge focus for us. So we like for churches and community organizations to reserve the bus. 
and then offer it as just a way to pull in people from their communities and offer not only free health screenings to them, but also the love of Jesus in the process. This ministry is so important because it offers us a chance to give them a referral so that they can get the help they need, and it also gives us a chance to witness to them and share Christ with them as well. We're able to minister to them, not only physically, but spiritually as well. Because in the process, we can say, well, you know Jesus Christ is the great physician. He's not only able to heal you physically, but also spiritually, and to share that as well with them. We definitely need nurses, doctors, uh, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, EMTs. Anybody that is qualified to do any type of medical work is definitely welcome on the bus. We also always need people to pray with patients, counselors, pastors. Um, we need lay workers who can just come spend time with patients and help them fill out their forms, help them at the registration table. So really anybody is welcome to work on the bus. I'm so excited about this ministry because I feel like it really gives an opportunity for healthcare providers to share their talents and share their gifts with people who are hurting. And I think it's just an awesome chance as a healthcare provider myself to be able to go out and share Christ um, with people I don't know and just use my talents in that way. Did you ever think that checking someone's blood pressure would prepare the way for Christ to bring not only physical healing, but spiritual healing as well? Your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering support projects that are helping prepare the way. Not only is God the great physician, he is also the author of liberty. Please stand as we dedicate our love for God our, and dedicate our country to God. In my country, tis of thee. Number 634, please stand.
morning. I'm going to be reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets untangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Thank you, Willie. Before I pray, I want to mention a few concerns, and then I will be leading us in a prayer. Um, but I invite you to be finding your responsive reading that is in your bulletin this morning and uh, ask you to join me in praying with me in just a moment. Let's continue to remember Sherry Cox. She is home and uh, continues to recover from heart surgery. Let's also remember Irene Green. She was in the hospital this week. She went home for a night, I believe, and then went back again Friday, and it remains there and so let's remember her, and we have others within our church family that need our special prayers uh, and thoughts at this time. Let's also continue to remember um, the family of Tim Burkeen, the Shelby Police Department officer who was killed in the line of duty this week. Our hearts have been saddened to learn of this this week, and uh, it is um, mindful that we will continue to need to pray for and support our Shelby Police Department and all our local leaders as they continue to grieve this loss and um, we want to remember uh, this wife and young daughter this morning as well. Our prayer this morning is a way for us to, uh, that we will pray together, is a way for us to be mindful not only of our local leaders, but of all those leaders as we move into a sermon this morning that will challenge us to not only pray, but also act uh, on behalf of our prayers. And so let's be mindful as we move into this this time of prayer this morning. Again, I will um, have a general prayer and then you will know I'll begin reading and I'll ask Alan to join me. He's going to read uh, where it says people there in the bold and, and you can follow along him as far as the, the pattern uh, to read there, but I will be reading the leader. Uh, join me in prayer. God, we're grateful for your presence here with us this morning. Lord, as we're reminded through video uh, that you are the great physician. Father, you answer our prayers at times when we, when we pray for healing. And Father, we know you hear our prayers at all times, but Lord, we know that there is another plan in regards to illnesses that we pray for that do not seem to find that healing on this side. Father, help us to be uh, accepting of your ways. Help us to be mindful that uh, your ways are not our ways. Your ways are higher than ours. But Lord, we do pray for those who are sick today. We pray for Sherry Cox that you would bring healing to her body. We pray for Irene Green. We pray for others, Lord, who need your touch in a very special way this day. Father, we pray for the family of Tim Burkeen, for this wife and young daughter. Lord, that you would comfort them and be that good shepherd to them at this very difficult time. Father, we pray for the Shelby Police Department, that you would walk with them this day and in the days ahead. Father, protect them as they are about their work each day. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for what you are doing and what you will do among us. Hear now our prayer. Our holy God, we come this morning acknowledging you as the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer of the world. You breathed life into being through your spoken word and in your image 
and from the dust of the ground we were created. Your spirit breathed life into our being, allowing us to have the joy of fellowship with you and with one another as brother and sister. We live in a world that is fallen and broken, where both good and evil reside and where discernment is not always easy. In the midst of our struggles, we ask ourselves the ancient question. My brother and sisters. We were created to be one family, priests to all nations, one community, keeping watch over the needs of one another. Forgive us where we have failed. We have worshiped you in ways that are self-serving and unloving. Often we do not follow the way of peace, the way of concern, the way of brother and sisterhood, the way of justice and peace. How can we challenge the evil around us? What do you require of us? To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We are grateful for those who have the courage to lead and to guide us in these troubled times of violence, inequalities, unrest, exploitation and change. For those who serve by protecting us through the military system, through the police system, through local, national, and world government, we remember God's word. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We pray for those who now serve, and we remember those who are now departed through service. Their examples of courage and commitment live in our memories. For the living and the departed, bless their families, bless those with illness and with disabilities, bless those with financial needs, and bless the grief that their absence has created in the lives of family, friends, and community. How shall we, as ambassadors of Christ, respond to those leaders and their families? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Holy One revealed in Jesus of Nazareth, you have taught us to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Give us wisdom to discern that which belongs to government and that which belongs to God. What is such wisdom? Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. We pray that individuals would come forth to lead and to serve each and all of us as one people comprised of many different languages, different vocabularies, different skin color, different ethnic backgrounds, different thoughts and view, and even different faith expressions. Give leaders, both current and future, the ability to seek and to understand the divine, to dispense justice and mercy equally among people, and to promote the interest of all, and not only to those in power. What does Scripture declare that we are to do? I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. How shall we live in this way? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen.
Our next hymn is number 476, as we find where we get our strength is from the Lord. Let us pray together this morning. 
Father, we come to you this morning first with thanksgiving for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, God, to be in the presence of of friends and family and other church members who come together in this place this morning for one purpose, that is to worship your name. Father, I pray that our worship this morning has been pleasing to you, that it has honored you, and I pray that it will continue to do that the rest of this morning. Father, I pray that at this time in our worship that we would reach into our hearts and reach into our lives to be able to give back, to be committed to your calling in our lives, not only with money, but with our talents and with our time and with our efforts. Father, I pray that as we would go beyond this place and these walls this morning, that we would continue to give our time and our efforts and our money in a way that is pleasing and that is devoted to you. Father, we are grateful for the many blessings that you do give us, and I pray that each of us would seek to give back to you the honor and the devotion that you deserve as our God. Father, we love you, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Oh, my. 
beautiful song. What a great pathway into the sermon this morning. The disciples came to Jesus in Luke 11.1 and had noticed something about Jesus' life and they noticed that at times Jesus would go away and they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Join me once again in prayer. Father, we come to you with that same spirit that the disciples came to you many years ago. And Father, we ask, as they did, teach us more about prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I referenced earlier, this weekend is family weekend at Garden Web. And again, if you are here, I know they are having, I believe, some type of service at Garden Web. But if you are here today and uh, with your son or daughter today, again, we welcome you to the service. I say that to say that as parents, for all of us, I say all of us, many of us, you, many of you, I haven't had a child leave the home yet, but for those of you who have had a child leave the home, uh, I use the term mixed emotions because there are some, and it could be even in the same home, that thought the day would never come, and, and you're excited that your young little uh, boy or girl has, you know, has, you've, you've given them roots and now they are leaving home and you're excited, excited for them. But then there's the other, and it's often the mom, but not always, but that's, you know, crying. And, and my, Renee's already said she's going to move in, you know, wherever, wherever Aiden goes to college, you know, and all this. But, um, you know, you're, you're, you're crying and you're sad, and you, but, but at the same time, you, you have to let them go. Uh, and that's why I say it's mixed emotions. You want them to go, you want them to be happy, you want them to be fulfilled, but yet at the same time, you know that the world is risky and dangerous and all the things that come with that. And so parents are just, it's kind of like when a parent, you know, has a child that gets their license, maybe kind of the same thing. You're excited for them. You don't want to hold them back, but at the same time, you have to let them go. And so, um, they come with mixed emotions. Well, Paul is writing to Timothy here in first Timothy and uh, they have walked together, they've served together, they've ministered together for some time, but now it's getting time for Paul to let Timothy go. Uh, there's the possibility here that Timothy will, well, and does go to lead the church in Ephesus, but there seems to be a sense of anxiety, again, in many parents and in teachers as well, is when you let your child or your student go, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And so Paul is writing to Timothy. He feels good about their journey together, but he's writing Timothy to challenge him uh, to go in uh, the right direction. He has a sense of hopeful expectation that I think any parent or teacher would have, that they're going to make it and that they're going to do well. Paul calls Timothy a true son. Their relationship was beyond that of a friendship, but Paul called Timothy a true son and charges him again and again to remain faithful to what he's taught him. The main purpose of Paul's writing to Timothy can be found in chapter 3, verse 15, when Paul writes, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. In chapters 2, 1 through 3, he challenges Timothy to pray, and not just to pray, but to pray for kings and for all those in authority. And why did Paul ask Timothy to do that? Why did he ask him to pray for all those in authority? Because Paul knows that the actions of kings affect society as a whole. It also reminds us, the ones praying, that God is the ultimate authority. And if we go to God on behalf of our leaders, um, we're taking the decisions that are made for us to the highest level. Many of you have had opportunities to address concerns. Maybe it's in a school or in other settings with your boss or uh, places of employment. 
uh, other means in society or community and you go to the person right above you and you don't feel that the issue is being resolved and so you go to the next person. And uh, when we take our prayers to God, we are going to the highest authority in all the land, in all the world. And uh, we're taking these concerns to him on behalf of the betterment of the people. Paul indicates what can happen if this takes place and that we as a society can lead a quiet and tranquil life in all godliness and dignity. Unless you've been living under a rock this week, you've heard what I referenced earlier, uh, the shooting death of Officer Tim Burkeen in the Shelby Police Department. Uh, This was a careless act and has now left uh, a young lady a widow and a young girl fatherless. This week, a community has come together with their prayers and also with their actions. I had the opportunity to sit down on Friday with the current chief of police for Boiling Springs, Chief Nathan Phillips. And I think we've got a a picture of him. But um, Nathan is praying for the family of of Tim Brakeen, and he's praying for his officers, uh, for the Shelby officers, as, as they go through this excruciating time. But he's also doing something beyond his prayers. I sat down and talked to him on at the uh, fire station two down, I forgot the name of the road, but as you go towards the Duke Power Plant, as you go south and, and turn off to the right, about three miles down there, and it was my first trip down there, I, say, I have to say, since I've been pastor here. And uh, I wanted to get um, Officer Nathan, our chief of police from Bowling Springs, on video and post a little short clip this morning. But he was cooking this morning. When I say not only he is praying, but he's also doing something for the family as well. But he was cooking uh, barbecue Boston butts and selling those. The funds from this sale, it's going on all weekend, and that's where he was at all weekend, so he wasn't in uniform, and we didn't want to do the video. Um, but had a chance to sit down and talk with him. And uh, not only, like I said, again, is he, is he praying, but he's actually doing something for the family. And the proceeds from this goes to an educational fund uh, for Tim's young daughter. And this is not only something that they have done this weekend and raised a pretty good little bit of money, but they'll also be doing it other weekends as well. And so be mindful of this if, if you hear that and, and would like to respond. But I asked um, Officer Nathan Phillips, I said, you know, tell me how we as a community can pray for you and pray for your officers here in Boiling Springs. And of course, he said, you know, pray for our safety. Uh, the next thing, and uh, he got almost, um, uh, well, started to get a little teary, a little emotional as he was saying this. He said, pray for our families. He said, most people don't know the toll that this takes on a family. Uh, when when uh, one is an officer and they're gone, uh, you know, after night and the family has to sleep and you don't know what he's getting, he or she is getting into, he said, pray for the protection and the provision of the officer and the family. Uh, and the young children, and uh, having to explain things to them and and things they're involved in. But he said, pray for our safety, pray for our families. And he said, pray for those within our community uh, that need a heart change. Uh, We wouldn't, of course, need police police officers if we didn't have those seeking to do evil within our communities. But pray, and as we think about that as well, our response to that is a community. Uh, How can we help create and nurture a community that is law-abiding and that seeks justice and loves God? But I also asked him another question. I asked him, I said, what can we do to help you and to help the community? And he talked about different ways to support uh, the officers. He talked about how um, they're gaining a few pounds because, you know, a lot of the community will bring the cakes and bring brownies and things by the office and leave there. And I said, so maybe we should bring some fruit. He said, yes, we'd love some fruit. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, different ways that we can show our support for the officers in that way. 
uh, greeting them, just letting them know that they have our support, listening to them, what are their concerns. Um, he also mentioned support shop, shop with a cop. They do this at Christmas uh, where they, they give a family, a needing, a deserving family food and gifts. Um, and uh, they'll even sometimes they've done limousine rides and, you know, they'll take them to the grocery store and they'll let the kids pick out the toys and, and all of these things. But we can support that uh, when that time comes here in a few months. But also providing opportunities for them to do some continuing education with the public. Uh, maybe, you know, having them in settings here in the church or in, your, in the public schools or even in your, even in your workplace. Uh, opportunities for them to, uh, to educate the public about what we can do. But I, I came across a quote this week by John Bunyan, and some of you may have heard this quote before. He said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Let me say it again. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. As I thought more about these two questions of how can we pray and what can we do, one deals with prayer and, of course, the other with action, I began to visualize something that I believe we see in Scripture. The disciples knew, as I referenced uh, at the beginning of my sermon, the disciples knew there was something special about Jesus. When he would go away and pray, but then they would see him perform the miracles. They would see him in the way that he treated children and related to them. They would see the ways that Jesus related to authority and said, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And he talked about, um, uh, you know, the ways that he would provide for the poor and, and, again, the miracles that he would perform. The disciples began to take notice that there was something special about Jesus' prayer. But we also see it with Paul as well. Not only did Paul encourage us to pray always without ceasing, um, but we also saw action. It's one thing for our leaders that we look to in Scripture just to encourage us to pray. And then if we didn't see action, but we see both with Jesus and with Paul, we see both prayers and them calling us to prayer, but we also see them acting upon these prayers as well. We see it in many places throughout Scripture. Um, most notably in John 17, Jesus said, the Father, he said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. The life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Jesus being willing and obediently going to the cross, knowing that the Father had asked him to, uh, or knowing that the Father had, had, had uh, this was his purpose, this was his reason for being here. And uh, Jesus followed through with those actions. I propose to you, though, that prayer and action go hand in hand in the Scriptures. We just talked about this, they, and, and that we see this today. I tend to think of prayer and action as being, if you will, wedded together. Um, if you have come through the church office recently, and interacted at all with Betsy or Heidi, you know that we have two ladies in the office that are going through something together. And I say going through something. It's not a, hopefully it's not a trial, but it's a joy. But they are both preparing for the wedding of a, of a child. Betsy is preparing for two in the matter of just a few weeks apart. One is next weekend with Shelly, and one is in a few weeks with Matthew. Heidi's also preparing for a wedding as well. So um, I have to, you know, be careful. And I, I say that jokingly when I come into the office and just see, see how, see what the mood of the room is. You know, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, they, they're, 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 they're being troopers. They really are. But there are things that come up that have to be dealt with. There are questions that have to be answered and it's, and it's a big deal. They're, they're, you're taking, you know, the parents are obviously involved and, but you're taking two people from different backgrounds and, and different, um, uh, being, tra uh, you know, raised maybe in sometimes differently, but, but different backgrounds, different families, and joining them together in what we refer to often as holy matrimony. Um, Renee and I, 
were married in um, August, August the 12th of 2000. We recently had some uh, flowers here in the sanctuary, but uh, there's an image that should pop up here in just a moment. And this was on our, on our wedding day. Well, it popped up and, oh, there it is. But it, this was on our wedding day, and the, the swing that you see us sitting in was the swing that I proposed to Renee, uh, where I, yes, and knelt, and proposed to Renee at this swing uh, in the fall of, we were married in the fall of 2000. So in the, in the fall of uh, 1999, I proposed to Renee on that very swing. And then later at our wedding the next year, uh, this swing was down the hill from where I grew up and we would often take walks there. And um, we had this swing at our wedding. And so the picture that you saw was, was from our wedding day. But when, when two people get married, again, you take uh, what many times, hopefully there's some many similarities there, but at the same time, there's enough differences. You know, you have to think about and pray about, and obviously, hopefully you're in love and you're, you're joining two people together that have different backgrounds, different families. And so there's a lot of things that, that have to be discussed and have to be worked out. The reason that I propose to you this idea of prayer and action being wedded together in holy matrimony is I want to say this or, or propose this by asking questions. What do you pray for the most? Isn't it the ones that you love the most? Wouldn't that be right? And who do you, um, who do, you do the most for? The ones that you love the most, right? I want to encourage you, I want to encourage us, all of us as a church to do something over the next few weeks. If you want to do more for the certain people or the certain injustices in our world, I want to encourage you to begin praying about those people and those injustices. But the opposite is also true. If you want to pray more for certain people and groups or problems in our world today, I want to encourage you to begin doing something for them to help make the situation better. Now, let me explain myself. Uh, Celeste and Hannah went, recently went with a group from Camps Creek, I believe, right? Where's Celeste? Camps Creek, yes, there she is. Camps Creek uh, to Honduras. And this was the second time that you've been. Last year was, last year was the first. And um, my hunch is that they were probably praying about this trip and praying for the people of Honduras before they went. But I can speak from uh, factual that uh, when they returned, I know last year and especially this year, I imagine they're praying more fervently and, and, and spending more time daily praying for the people of Honduras. And why are they doing that? Because they went and they did something in Honduras. They saw the need. They interacted with the people. They built relationships. And so now what was maybe an occasional prayer for the people of Honduras has become probably a daily prayer and probably several times a day. I know Hannah posts several things on Facebook about just, you know, the people and she wishes she was there and you're praying for those people. But the blending and the wedding of prayer and action has come together. And it's making a difference for the people that you're talking to and that you're interacting with and that you're giving flip-flops to and tennis balls to in Honduras. Because not only are you praying for them, you're actually doing something for them as well. And the same would be true for any mission trip. When we leave from here as a church, we may begin to pray for them a little bit before we leave. But as we find ourselves there, as we find ourselves interacting with these people, just like we went to the Shelby Mission Camp, I would hope and venture to say that some of you have now prayed for the ministries and the missions and that takes place through the Shelby Mission Camp. You wouldn't have done that had you not gone to the Shelby Mission Camp, this wedding of prayer and of action. A quote from Shane Claiborne in Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove's book, Becoming the Answer to Our Prayers, sums it up, sums it up best. We need to pray like everything depends on us and then live like God has no other plan but the church. Let me read that again. We need to pray like everything depends on, on God. 
And then, excuse me, we need to pray like everything depends, yes, on God and live like God has no other plan but the church. And the church is you and me. Scripture tells us that we are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We often refer to ourselves as having the hands and feet of Christ for the believers. And sometimes we are the voice of Christ, speaking up for injustices and speaking up for what's right. If we want a better world, let's pray. If we want a better world, let's also act. As we begin doing One, the other will come along naturally. If you want to begin praying more for our police department, begin praying more for our community leaders, I challenge you this morning to begin doing more for your community leaders. If you want to begin doing more for your community leaders, the opposite is also true. I would challenge you to begin praying for your community leaders. Paul challenged Timothy to pray for the kings and all those in authority. Because Paul knew that, again, the actions of kings and leaders affects society as a whole. I would like to add that our prayers and our actions affect, again, society as a whole. I had the quote recently, this was some time ago, maybe some months ago on Facebook, that said, we have a God who doesn't want to change the world without us. And I love that. I love that. God's not up here doing his thing and we're down here doing our thing. But God wants to change the world and he wants to do it through us. We can't know what that looks like if we're not spending time with him, if we're not having fellowship with him. And as we begin to do that, as we begin to spend time with him, as we begin to have fellowship with him, he will impress things upon our hearts. He may call Ed to do something that is not what he's called me to do, but if he calls each of us to do something and we're all open, we're all responding, we're all doing something as a result of having prayed about these things, I may be responding one way, Ed may be responding another way, uh, others, Tommy may be responding this way and that way, and so we're all beginning to respond in different ways. When we think about problems in our communities and world, I propose the question to us this morning, is the answer God or is the answer us? And I think Jesus and Paul would answer yes. The answer is both. The wedding of prayer and action can change communities and it can change change our world. Let's pray and act towards the change that we desire to see. Let's pray and act toward the change that we desire to see. Let's continue to talk with God about the changes that he can bring about, but also realize that he may just want to use us, his church, to bring about that change. How's your prayer life this morning? I want to encourage you to begin praying for those concerns that we have. We talk about them every time we gather, whether it's it's a snack shop, quick snack, wherever you may gather here at church. We talk about the problems and the ills of the world. You know, a lot of pastors start out that way and, you know, there's people maybe sometimes that are saying, you know, when's he going to get to the good news? You know, a lot of pastors that just love to start talking about the ills of the world. But as we talk about the ills of the world, let us, let those ills lead us to pray and let those ills lead us to action. How are your prayers? And also, how are your actions? He may just want to use us to bring about the change that we desire to see in our world. Let's pray with me. Father, we're so grateful that we serve a God who chooses to use us. Father, there are things that you can do supernaturally. And Lord, we pray that you would do many of those things that we need here within our communities. Father, for the violence, for the drug use, 
for the domestic issues, Lord, for all the, the, the peace and justice that our world needs, Father, Lord, you can intervene and we ask you to do that. But Father, we also know that you would choose to use us, you would choose to use your church to bring about this peace, this tranquil life that can exist with all godliness and dignity that Paul charges Timothy with here in 1 Timothy. Father, help us to know as we seek your face, as we begin to act, as we begin to do, help us to know what that would look like in our context. Help us to know what it would look like on Main Street, Boiling Springs, down College Avenue, down uh, Gordon Avenue and Edgewood Street, and Lord, other places within our community. Help us to know what we can do here in Boiling Springs, but Lord, teach us of things that we can, how we can be involved in bringing about a better state for North Carolina and a better country for our United States. Father, challenge us. Challenge us in our prayer life, but Father, also challenge us in ways that we can act on those things that we are now praying for. God, we love you. We're thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who allows us to enter into the throne room of God and to have free access to God the Father. We're thankful for his life, for his death, and for his resurrection. It's in you we place our hope today. It's in you we place our trust. And so, Father, we ask now the power of your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and challenge us in new ways this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with a very appropriate song this morning. I love this little hymn. It's Here Am I. And the hymn uh, states, or we can state in the hymn, Here, Here I Am. But the hymn also states, I will go. Let us be open to what that might look like in our lives this morning as we sing together.
as we conclude today, I do want to say that on behalf of the personnel committee, we do have a resume to present to you for the position of associate pastor of music and adult ministry. Uh, I have those with me this morning, and I will lay those on the communion table. This individual will be with us Wednesday night to lead choir practice, and they will lead our service next Sunday morning with a vote to call this individual as our associate pastor of music and adult ministry. So encourage choir uh, to be present. This, this person will also be present in our prayer meeting time at 6 o'clock. And again, here with us next Sunday as well, sharing not only in leading of the music in the choir, but also in a brief testimony as well. Good to see you here this morning. If you're glad that you're in the house of God this morning, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Father, we love you. We praise you. Here we are. Send us out, Father, with our prayers, but Lord, with our actions as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.